Well, good morning. Good morning. I, I just have to say before we start, just a little sidebar for a second. Such a cool moment. Did you hear yourselves singing? That was so awesome. I got to just say, just standing over there, I had just like a perfect like speaker because we have kind of a natural speaker in the room. Just to hear God's people singing that song, to hear, to hear everybody singing, I Will Rise, that was awesome. Just like it literally gave me goosebumps. It's just cool. It's just so cool. Um, love it. So uh, I want to talk about, I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it today. I want to talk about a word. I want to start with a word, rebellion. When you hear the word rebellion, you think of the word rebellion, what do you think of? If you were to define this word in your own way, what, what would you think of? How would you, how would you define that if you could put that into your own words? Um, there, are, uh, there are a lot of different things that it could mean. Rebellion can mean various things, um, but what would your definition be? Now, I, I found a definition that, that I think suits not only what we're talking about, but, um, but really just kind of encompasses this word, and this, and this is it. It says, the action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention. <clears throat> now, you may think you know where I'm going with this, you maybe do, you maybe don't. Um, and uh, and lo- I want to tell you, though, where, I'm, where we're not going, maybe necessarily what I'm not talking about, because re- rebellions have made a difference toward positive change at times. And other times, they have made things worse, quite frankly. Um, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily things like the American Revolution or the Civil War. While those were rebellions and, and great things came, came out of those, if you will, um, to a degree, you know, the, the rebellion against the Galactic Empire is not also what I'm talking about. That's Star Wars, if you didn't know. Um, I'm not talking about Star Wars today, though I am wearing a Star Wars shirt. But, um, you know, maybe something in, in your life that felt like a rebellion or was a rebellion, maybe something like, depending on the home that you grew up in, getting a tattoo was a rebellion. Maybe that was a rebellion in your house. Maybe getting a piercing was a rebellion in your house. Now, if you think I'm going to start talking about that, I'm not. Um, those things may be rebellions in your context, and they may not be in your context. Um, maybe it's uh, wearing certain clothes in your home was a rebellion. Maybe it's listening to certain music in your home was, uh, was a rebellion. Maybe, you know, maybe it's something like, I'm not shopping at that place so I'm going to rebel. That's going to be a rebellion. I'm not shopping there because of this or that or what they believe or don't believe. Um, maybe it's, uh, let, let's, get, let's get a little like close to home for a second. Maybe it's, um, I'm not wearing one of these. I am wearing one of these. I'm not wearing one of these. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about, personal and individual rebellion in the way in which we live meaning the attitude of rebellion, the attitude of this, and the way in which that can affect our lives. And yes, all of those things, you can take positions on on all of those things that I mentioned and probably various other things that you're thinking about as well. But you know, we make personal rebellion types of decisions all the time, and those dictate many of the decisions that we make, and we don't even realize it. And those can add up to a rebellious spirit toward God if we aren't careful. So I want to look at an object lesson today. 
we're going to start with an object lesson. If you don't know what an object lesson is, um, it is a lesson taught with an object. <laughs> it just blew your mind there. But you're using regular, everyday items to make a spiritual point. Okay, so let me, let me give you an example of one, at least in church context. The Lord's Supper, communion. You may not have thought of it this way, but it's an object lesson. It really is. You're using the elements that are there, you know, that, that Jesus ordained. These aren't like magical elements that we take when we take communion, when we take the cup and, and, and all that. They're, they're an object lesson for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he did for us, the body broken for us, the blood that was shed for us. It's an object lesson. Now, the prophet Jeremiah loved object lessons. And we're going to look at an object lesson in uh, the book of Jeremiah today, in, the, in this passage that we're going to look at. And it gives us an example of rebellion. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 18. If you have your Bibles or the Bible app, you can follow along there. For those of you that may be watching at home, uh, welcome, by the way, for those of you watching online. And um, you, can, uh, you can pull up the Bible app. You can go to events right there, and you can find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. Uh, and you can follow along with me there, or if you really just want to flip to Jeremiah 18, that's where we're going to be at a majority of the time uh, today. And let me give you a little background on this before we get into it. Jeremiah, um, this, this passage was written to the people of Israel, and so we have to put things in context, right? And we have to think of it uh, in that way. And, and while there are some specifics about them and that pertain to them, uh, the principles apply to everyone in terms of the character of God and who he is is clear and unchanging. God always has been and always will be the same God. There is no God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. There is God. And yes, he, there, there are different things that happen, but, but God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so when we look at Jeremiah here, if you don't know, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, the weeping prophet, because a lot of things didn't go right for this guy. In fact, virtually nothing went right for this guy. And he did a lot of, um, I guess, weeping, if you will. And in, in some ways, as we're going to see today, complaining and uh, maybe venting a little bit. And he had 40 years of ministry as a prophet and priest. He was also, he was also the priest. But he was faithful. He was full of courage um, in spite of a lot of discouragement, in spite of a lot of things going wrong, a lot of opposition, uh, things never really seemed to go right for the guy. How many of us can relate to that in the last five to six months, right? Um, things never seemed to go right for him. But he vents quite a bit, um, but we always see him come back to God. We always see him circle back. Either he circles back or God brings him back. And so God would, would speak to him and through him and say, here's what I want you to say to Israel. Here's what I want you to say to God's people and would give him a word. But keep in mind, before we get into this and start reading, I want you to keep something in mind and keep this in mind with all, with all scripture, is that when God uses someone, he doesn't bypass their, uh, their personality, if you will. The Bible was written by men, but God through men. And so the word of God coming through the personality of people, okay? And so God uses an object lesson here about pottery to get his point across. So we're in Jeremiah 18. We're just going to start at the very beginning. Verse 1 through 6 is what we're going to look at right now. Here's what it says. So this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So the Lord's speaking to him. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I, Jeremiah, went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, 
shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. So God is the potter. This is the object lesson. God is the potter in our lives and shaping the clay, our life being the clay. Um, And, you know, we can always be reshaped and molded. And he is constantly, God is constantly in the process of doing that. And I think we forget that sometimes. We forget that God is constantly in the process of shaping us and molding us. But there's a whole lot more to this than just that idea. That's that's the basis idea of all of this. So let's keep going here. Let's skip down to verse 11. Skip down to verse 11 and it says this. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. We'll continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. So God has an option to either bring judgment on the guilty or change his mind and show mercy if they repent, as we see. Because God is God. And he can either bring judgment or he can show mercy. And so he's, he's showing kind of what is able to, but he, but he almost calls a shot in some ways, as God can, right? Saying like, it's, it's no use. It's no use because I'm God and, and I know what the people are going to do, but boy, I, I really hope that they don't. And so here's the judgment. Here's the judgment from God in, in verse 16. He says this, their land will be an object of horror and of lasting scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will shake their heads. Like a wind from the east, I will scatter them before their enemies. I will show them my back and not my face in the days of their disaster. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes we leave God no other choice. Sometimes we leave God no other choice in the way in which we act. Because we have free will. We have free will, and because of our free will, we leave him no choice sometimes but to discipline us or to punish us like a parent. And essentially that's what is saying at the end when, when God says <clears throat> that you know, he's going to show his back. He's almost saying removing his favor and, and, and saying, look, I've tried many times. And sometimes the best thing to do for those of you that are parents, you, you kind of realize sometimes with your kids, sometimes... You just have to let them fall. Sometimes you just have to let them fall. And it hurts and you don't necessarily want to, but sometimes that's the only thing that can get through their heads. And sometimes we do that to God. We leave him no choice but to maybe remove his favor and to let us go where we feel we want to go. And, and so Jeremiah shares this word with Israel and basically says, Israel basically says, oh, we don't feel like doing that. And see, when we react with our feelings, when we react with our emotions, and we say, well, I don't feel like doing that. That doesn't feel like what I want to do. Sometimes that, that removes the, um, 
maybe the, the, the sense and the principles that God has put there because we're putting our feelings above the principles of God. We don't always make the best decisions when we react emotionally. I know I don't. When I react emotionally, I can think of many times with my kids where I know I've reacted emotionally and I gotta take a step back and be like, oh my gosh, I, need, I should have just relaxed there. And, and instead, I got emotional and I got mad and I just, and you gotta take a step back, you know? It's not always easy to sit down with a seven-year-old and apologize. But I have, you know? I'm sorry, buddy, I, I reacted emotionally. Um, we shouldn't do that. So Jeremiah shares this word of the Lord with Israel and, and instead of listening, to what the prophet has to say, again, over and over again, they turn on him. Instead of listening to God, they turn on him. And here's what happens. Verse 18. It says, they said, come, let's make plans against Jeremiah. For the teaching of the law and by the priests will not cease, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the words from the prophets. So come, let's attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything he says. So essentially it's saying this. Let's just ignore this dude. I don't like what he's saying. We don't like what he's saying. Let's, you know what, let's spread rumors about him. Let's spread rumors about him. And, and in fact, if, if anyone would like to help, let's come up with a plot to kill this guy because I just really don't like what he's saying. <laughs> Essentially, that's what the people saying and, and do. Have you ever felt maybe like Jeremiah there? Have you ever felt like essentially you're in a crowded room when we were allowed to be? You're in a crowded room and you're on an island by yourself? Sometimes the loneliest place is in a crowd and you just feel like you're the, you're the only one with any sense. You're the only one that's even listening to what God is saying. And, and sometimes you're just the only one there. That's how he felt here. It's like, well, good grief, will you just listen? We just listen to what God is saying. The world says, you know, we, we only want to hear from those who agree with us. We only want to hear from those who agree with us, and if you don't, then you're the enemy. Sometimes it feels that way. You know, you better be tolerant and accepting of, of anyone and everyone, and unless, unless we don't agree with it, and then you're not being tolerant or, acceptance, or accepting. Well, that's not tolerant or accepting, is it? But that's what happens in the world that we're, that we're living in. This is what happens when a heart of rebellion, to come back to that word, this is, this is where it's coming full circle here. When a heart of rebellion takes hold of the hearts of people, we look to ourselves and our own preferences as opposed to God and his principles. That's what happens. And so, Jeremiah, he prays. But he doesn't really pray. I mean, he prays. But this is a venting prayer. And he prays for judgment. And I almost have to read this with a whiny voice. So, and, and you'll see what I mean. Listen to me, Lord. Hear what my accusers are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for me. Remember that I stood before you and spoke in their behalf to, for you to turn your wrath away from them. So give their children over to famine. Hand them over to the power of the sword. Let their wives be made childless and widows. Let their men be put to death. Let their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when you suddenly bring invaders against them. For they have dug a pit to capture me and have hidden snares from my feet. But you, Lord, know all their plots to kill me. Do not forgive their crimes or blot out their sins from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. When? Right? He's like venting here. 
But let's be honest, all right? Be honest for a second. Have you ever really felt like that? And have you ever, in, in some ways, like prayed like that? Maybe not that extreme, but I mean, let's be honest here. Think, things are not going the way that I want. I'm just ticked. I'm just ticked. I'm just mad. And you just want God to let loose because things aren't going your way. I think all of us can relate to that maybe over the last four to six months in some way, shape, or form that we've felt a version of that. Maybe not where you're asking God to bring the sword on people, but crying out loud. But still, we've felt that way. We've felt that way at other times, even before Corona and all that. We have felt that way. See, Jeremiah didn't handle this right either. A lot of times people, and this is why context is important, people will take a specific passage or a couple of verses and, and talk about this Old Testament judgment God. This is just Jeremiah whining and venting to the Lord. We're allowed to vent to God. We can't vent to God. Not much of a relationship there. But at the same time, he's venting and he's whining a little bit. Well, a lot of bit. But it doesn't mean he's handling this the right way. Because this is the way, if, if God would have handled it this way, Think about that for a second. What if God were to handle things the way that you think they should have been handled? Think about some things in the past. How would that have turned out? Boy, I can think of plenty that it would have just... So let's take a closer look a little bit at, at rebellion for a second because there are some consequences to rebellion in life, isn't there? Of course. Now, is there, you know, grace and, and mercy? Um, and... You know, for those who have rebelled, well, yes, of course, from God. From God, there, there certainly is. But, you know, rebellion can destroy you and those around you. That idea of rebellion can destroy you and those around you. And there are definitely some connections between our acts of rebellion and, and the things that we read about here in the book of Jeremiah. But let me propose this to you, is that we rebel through fire. Now, let me explain that for a second because I want to go back to the, uh, to the object lesson of the potter and the clay from the very beginning. And explain to you what I mean by this statement, that we rebel through fire. See, the object lesson here, once God shapes you and he needs to prepare you and he molds you and all of that stuff for you to be used for your purpose, pottery cannot be used until it has been put into a kiln, until it has been put through the fire. If any of you have ever done pottery, you've done ceramics in school maybe, it's, you got to get it in that right shape and sometimes it's like floppy and, and all that. You can't really use it until it's been put through the fire. It's been put through the kiln. It's gone through a whole lot. It's gone through a process of shaping and molding and, and getting things just right and getting it formed just the way that you want. And then you have to carefully put it into the fire and it has to be fired in that kiln, maybe, maybe God is using this fire, this heat that you're going through, whether it's individually, maybe it's as a family, maybe it's us as a church, as a state, as a country. Whatever God is, Holy Spirit's laying on your heart right now, maybe, maybe that heat, that fire is so that, it, so that you can be used for his ultimate purpose. Things don't seem to be turning out the way that we want it. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that maybe God isn't done molding and shaping you so that you can be used later? I know sometimes that's hard to hear. That makes us uncomfortable. 
I get it. But awkward is awesome. And God molds and shapes us through awkward and uncomfortable situations. Maybe part of what you're going through is part of God's plan. Paul even talked about this. He, he took it a step further in Romans chapter 9. He said this, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who are prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. How often do we argue with God? We don't always look at it that way. But quite frankly, how often do we argue with God? And he has the right to do whatever he wants because he's God. But he is patient. And he is patient with me. And he is patient with you. I can think of so many times God's patience with me. Stupid things I've done. Dumb decisions that I've made. My choices, my decisions apart from him usually end up in destruction. As it says there, but, but if I take a step back, if I take a step back and I listen and I trust, things usually come together because the potter is shaping the clay. Remember that he is God. I am not. You are not. And basically, basically what, what Paul is saying here is let God be God. I know that seems like a bit of a cliche, but it's the truth. Think about it this way. If he loved me enough to die for me, if he loved me enough to die for me, then I think I should be able to trust my life in the nail-scarred hands of the potter, no matter what that looks like. It's hard, it's hard to hear, but there's so much truth to that. The hands of the potter that are nail-scarred for you and for me who are shaping your life, if he was willing to give himself up and to die in the way in which he did for you and for me, don't you think you can trust what he's doing as he's shaping and molding your life? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts really bad. But when we rebel, we are really just delaying the process of God. We're just delaying the process of God. And we may be putting God in a position where he has no choice but to just smash the clay and start shaping all over again. And that can hurt. That can hurt. If you've ever tried to make something out of like Play-Doh or clay or whatever, sometimes I've, I know I've done it, get to a point where you're just frustrated because it's just not coming out the way you want. And you're like, I'm just starting over. Sometimes we leave God no choice but to basically do something along those lines. But 
not all rebellion is bad. I know we've been talking about rebellion and I've been looking at what it can do in terms of destroying. But not all rebellion is bad. There is a good rebellion. So stick with me on this. The book of Daniel talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refuse to bow down and worship a false god. It's good rebellion. Good rebellion. Later in the book, Daniel, he actually refuses to stop praying despite the consequences of being thrown in the lion's den. We talked about that a month or so ago. Good rebellion. He knew the consequences, but he knew better than to, to back away from his faith. The book of Exodus, the Hebrew midwives, they refused to kill all the newborn babies despite being told to do so. Good rebellion. Moses wouldn't have been alive had they done that. Good rebellion. These people were rebels. And the Bible is full of people that were rebels in terms of a good rebellion. And there is a good rebellion in life. But, but, it is always, always linked to a call of God. It is linked to the call of God and following his leadership and his principles in your life. And many times, people will take a stance on rebellion, claiming that it is for God, and they actually do more damage than good. There is a good rebellion, though. We need to be a rebel in the way in which we live. Be a rebel in the way you live. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a whole lot of things. I could go on and on about it, but here's a few. Let's stand for what's right in God's eyes, not in our eyes. Let's stand for what's right in God's eyes. Students, stay pure till you get married. There's a good rebellion. I know you've heard it a thousand times. I get it. I know. I know. I don't have sex before marriage. I get it. Yeah, but you know what? In this day and age where that's basically a handshake, let's be honest. You know, that's just what you do when you date. You're supposed to have sex. No, you're not. <laughs> and there's a reason that God put those things in place. Be a rebel and stand for that. That's a good rebellion. That's a good rebellion. Don't go to places that maybe you have no business being. This is for everyone. Actually, the previous one is for everyone as well. But don't go to places that you know you have no business being. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, maybe we shouldn't be there. That's a good rebellion. Students especially on that one as well. But how about this one? Here's a good rebellion. Read your Bible daily. <laughs> I know it might sound funny, but let's be honest. How about daily set aside some time to get into God's word and let the word of God transform you and grow you? That's a good rebellion. Maybe join a life group. Be a part of a Bible study. That's a good rebellion. That's a way to stand up and say, I'm going to prioritize my relationship with God. I'm going to prioritize my faith. And I'm going to stand for that because that is something that's not done much today. What's usually prioritized is my own uh, my, my, own, my own time. I, I need my time and I need all of that stuff. And yes, we all get that time. We, get, we got 24 hours in a day, but man, is it, is it too much to ask to give God maybe 30, 40 minutes, an hour of your day in the morning? There's a good rebellion. Stand up and, and, and rebel by, in the way in which you, um, you study and, and give time to God daily and growing in your faith. If that's the most important relationship in your life, how is that actually being shown in the way in which you do? Be a, be, a, be a rebel in that way. Grow in your relationship. Here's another one. How about this? Be generous. Be a giver. Be somebody that's generous. We live in the most selfish day and age, 
right now? How about be somebody that gives? Gives more. Gives over and above. Like our students did this week at Mission Akron. I'll talk about that. They gave of their time. They gave of a lot of things this week. Be generous. Be a giver. Because God is first. If God is first, that should be reflected in our finances, quite frankly. How about love people? Love people and treat people with kindness and love and respect. Actually accept people and love them. That doesn't mean condone sin. So don't, don't misinterpret me on that one. That's an important distinction. But be kind and compassionate, forgiving and loving as the Lord Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 how about actually be that and live that out? That's a good rebellion. How about listening to godly advice? There's a good rebellion. There's something that a lot of people actually don't do. How does God speak to us? Three ways. Bible, prayer, other godly people. How about actually use those three things? And when God gives you godly advice, don't say, well, that's not nice, but that's not what I wanted to hear. So I'm just going to do what I do. How about a good rebellion? actually listen to godly advice that is given to you when, when it falls into those categories. And when it is, as, as it says here, you know, as, as I was talking about how, you know, when, when a good rebellion, it's always linked to the call of God and following godly principles, following his leadership and godly principles. How about don't run with people that we shouldn't be running with because who you run with is who you are and that's going to pull you down. I don't care how old you are. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reaching out to people that you know, that maybe aren't followers of Jesus, but quite frankly, if you spend a majority of your time with people that are going to pull you down, don't be surprised when you get pulled down. It's going to happen. If the only time that you are surrounding yourself with people that are followers of Jesus and that are pushing you to live more like Jesus is on Sundays for this one hour, that means you've got 167 hours of garbage. I know that's hard to hear, but be a, be a rebel maybe in that way. How about pray for wisdom and God's direction in your life? Let's be a rebel there. Listen, I can go on and on, but at the end of the day, a lot of it really comes down to this verse from Paul in Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Good rebellion. Good rebellion. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. The behaviors and customs of this world, they lead down the road of destruction. And we are all susceptible to following those things. It's so easy to. We slip and we fall into that, myself included. This is a verse we need to remind ourselves of probably on a daily basis. Because the behaviors and customs of this world, they enable our preferences to overshadow godly principles. They enable our preferences to overshadow godly principles. And we need to shift our thinking to God's way of thinking. And that is being a rebel in this world. And that's why my connection point for the morning is this. Be a rebel and stop rebelling. That might sound weird, and it is. But it's intentional, just like everything, because I want it to address both sides of this equation. And here's what I mean by that. Maybe God, maybe God is calling you to stop rebelling in some areas of your life. I hope 
the Holy Spirit has been nudging you and maybe making you a little uncomfortable in your chair today. I really do. And I mean that in a loving way. I mean that because I love you. But maybe God's calling you to stop rebelling in some areas of your life. Or maybe, maybe he's calling you, maybe he's inviting you to follow him and to live as a rebel in this world in the way in which you live and following the godly principles of his word. What's Holy Spirit telling you right now? You know, this past week of Mission Akron was a good rebellion. It was a good rebellion. We saw a group of students and adults be rebels in this world and make an eternal impact in some amazing ways. They were selfless. They were sacrificial. They gave of their time, their energy, their finances without thought of any reward. God blessed them in amazing ways. And you know what? There was no rebelling in the areas that didn't matter. Mission Akron, in many ways, was a rebellion this year. Because of the way in which the world is right now, in many ways, it was a rebellion. I don't see too many other places, people, standing up to serve people for an entire week and to be willing to set aside things like having to wear masks the whole week and, and all of that kind of stuff and the distancing thing and still serving and loving people in the name of Jesus in spite of it. It was amazing. It was encouraging. And it made an eternal impact. They rebelled. Listen, they rebelled by being the church. They were the church this week. We are the church. And there's a lot that comes with that. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Because this world needs more of that. It needs more of that. Will you bow your head with me for a minute? I don't know what the Holy Spirit might be showing you right now, might be bringing up to you right now. Maybe an area of your life that you know you've been rebelling. Maybe an area in your life that you need to stand up a little more on. But I hope that you will lean into wherever the Holy Spirit is pushing you right now. And make that change. Give that over to the Lord. And don't let the spirit of rebellion lead you down a path of destruction. Maybe the rebellion that that you've been pushing against is actually putting your faith in Jesus. Maybe you haven't put your trust in Jesus and that's been your rebellion. And if that's you, please know that, that God loves you so much and he created you to be with him. And Jesus came so that you can have life and life everlasting. And he paid the price for your sin on the cross because there's nothing you and I can do to remove our sin. And Jesus paid the price in full. That was a great rebellion. That was the best rebellion ever. And all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Confess. Put your trust in him for eternal life. And let the potter continue to mold and shape your life from there. Jesus, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. God, I thank you 
for the truth of your word. I thank you for the moments that maybe make us uncomfortable, God, because you shape us and mold us through that. Lord, I thank you that you are the potter and that we are the clay. And boy, what, what an amazing thought it is to know that our lives are in your hands. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that if there is one that's here or that's watching online that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that today might be the day that they reach out to you and they put their trust in you. And then from this moment on, God, I pray that all of us, all of us will lean into the fact that you are molding and shaping our lives. Lord, help us to not have a spirit of rebellion in the areas that we don't need to, in the areas that lead us to destruction. But Lord, help us to have a good rebellion in in your eyes and stand up for the things that matter. Take a stand on the things that make a difference, not only in our lives, but those around us, Lord, to lean into the fact that you have given us a better way to live and that's to be more like you. God, give us clarity and wisdom on those things. Thank you for this time that we can get together. Lord, we thank you for for the church. We thank you for how we we can be encouraged and we can be held accountable. And Lord, that we can help each other. Lord, we thank you for the church family that you have ordained and created. And again, Lord, I pray that if there is one that doesn't know you, that maybe today might be the day that they make that decision. We love you and we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name.